0: Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz. And from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines
1: for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show.
2: It's the ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel America's number one sports book right now. You can check out the new and improved parlay hub filter by odds, sport and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all in one page. Plus start betting on the explore page and the pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit the slash RG.
1: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like...
3: Hello and welcome to the Ringer's Philly special. I am Chris Ryan, joined by Raheem Palmer, and it's the Trey Young Show. All things Trey Young, all the time. He is the main focus of this podcast. No, it's the Sixers Show. We're back, finally. Raheem, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing great. Um, And I felt even better watching Trey Young, you know, absolutely destroy the Boston Celtics last night giving us some extra rest. We've been banged up. Joel Embiid is banged up. James Harden is banged up. So um, I'm kicking back, resting with the rest of the Sixers.
3: I can't believe what a huge like influence Trey Young has been on the Sixers as a franchise. Between the Hawks beating the Sixers that year in the playoffs, hastening Ben Simmons's exit, and now him doing us the the gift, giving us the gift of extending this Celtic series. They got to go back down to Atlanta. Then they, if necessary, have to play in Boston on Saturday. And then no matter what, this Sixers uh, semifinal is starting on Monday night. So the Celtics might have like, what, three games in five days going into the semis?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely huge. And, you know, the one thing I will say is that, you know, it's so funny that the Atlanta Hawks didn't think that this game would happen. You know, um Yeah. They actually double booked the Janet Jackson concert for the same time as um this pip, this pivotal game's um game 5. So, um this is this is great.
3: And Taylor Swift is playing in Atlanta like the same night at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They were talking about that on Inside the NBA last night, and it's like so like Atlanta is essentially going to be a giant traffic jam of this Hawks game, which I don't even know, maybe it won't even be that well attended. Like Hawks attendance can sometimes be like pretty patchy. And you have to imagine between Janet and Taylor, there's going to be a lot of competition for audience attention in, in the, in the Atlanta area that day.
0: Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt, but I mean, I think just the positives that we just got some more rest and, you know, you know, I always do this. Like I speak about this a lot. Um, I speak about the war of attrition. Yeah. That, a seven-game series, you know, takes on a team. And, you know, if they can push this to seven, then I think it it drastically, you know, increases the chances that the Sixers can win this series.
3: Yeah, well, so let's talk a little bit about the Eastern Conference broadly. And like you said, the, the attrition thing has been the theme of the playoffs. It's been John Morant, it's been Kawhi Leonard, it's been Joel Embiid, it's been... All these big, big, big-time players going out, and then there's been some suspensions, and there's been some other stuff. De'Aaron Fox obviously battling the in- the finger injury for this Warriors game tonight. On uh, we're recording this on on Wednesday, but as we as we kind of look at the landscape, you know, we've got the Bucks down three-one, we got the Celtics in a three-two uh, kind of dogfight with the Hawks now, and so the Sixers were first to the finish in the first round. They sweep. They needed the rest. You've got Harden nursing this Achilles injury and, and Joel Embiid obviously spraining his right knee in game three. And we'll get to Joel in a second. But now all of a sudden, I don't even know if we w- really want to do this, Raheem. Like yeah. how, how big do you want to dream right now? How big do you want to dream about the idea of it being Miami or the Knicks in the Eastern Conference Finals if, if the Sixers get past a Boston Celtics team that had to work a little too hard to get past the Hawks?
0: I mean, I think you you have to dream that far. Um, when you look at the fact that, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks right now, they're down three to one. And like, I know the Milwaukee Bucks are plus 110 to win this series. You know, the, the books are giving them a 47 percent chance of winning the series down three one. But when you look at the way the Miami Heat are shooting in this series, I mean, they're, they're shooting 47 percent from three and 52 percent on contested threes. And the one thing we know about this Bucks team is that they struggle to defend the three point line. And Jimmy Butler has been the best player in this series with Giannis Antetokounmpo being banged up. So it's a realistic thing that you could see a Eastern Conference Finals with either the Heat or the Knicks in it. So um, I I think you know you got to be looking at the Sixers to, to at least you know have a real chance of winning the East.
3: Well, this is the thing too is that I feel like the Sixers have always been on the bad side of luck in the playoffs. Yeah, And you could go back through postseason after postseason after postseason. A lot of the times, the team that makes it to the conference finals or the team that maybe maybe not makes it to the finals, but those teams in the conference finals, I don't think it's always chalk. You know what I mean? It's a lot of like, had it not been for Tony Parker's hamstring, had it not been for Serge Ibaka getting injured, had it not been for Kawhi getting hurt, had it not been for whoever, you know, the playoffs would have worked out differently. And for the Sixers, they're now like... I think we were all like... Boy we had a really cool season. Joel's going to win MVP. This team really looks like it works. And we just so happen to be in a year where the Bucks are rattling off like 20-game 20, 20 win streaks, and the Celtics are this juggernaut, and this like, you know, we just can't catch these two teams. The Sixers had had a better first month of the season, we might have been in one of those top two positions, but now we're on the other side of the bracket, basically going into this where we if we can get past Boston, we might have like a pretty low seed for a conference final.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think we've we've really entered the parody era of the NBA. Yeah, where, you know, like a lot of these teams, like I don't think any of these teams are great. And I think we're seeing that in this postseason when you look at the Bucks, when you look at the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics, they were supposed to run through Atlanta and now they find themselves in a dogfight. Um, And then I think, you know, with that war of attrition. It just feels like whoever can stay the healthiest, whoever can, you know, get through this without, you know, the biggest roll bumps, they're going to make it to the finals or the Eastern Conference finals and then eventually the finals. And I think, you know, you hinted on on something about how it's not always chalk. I mean, last year we saw the Phoenix Suns go down in flames Mm -hmm. to the Dallas Mavericks. So. All it takes is for, you know, a team to get hot. And I, I just think we see it. Like, we're seeing it more and more now to where, you know, teams creep in there and it's just like, oh, shoot, how did they get to the Eastern Conference Finals? Like, you look at the Hawks. I mean, they beat us. Look you at know, the Blazers Warner a Ro- couple
3: of years ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's just. That's why you can't beat the Dallas Mavericks and tank out of a playoff position. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that's, that's why. The, that's
3: exactly right, man, because it's like I, I I think that when you when you're looking at how. I think the Clippers are way deeper than the the Suns. Now the Clippers, obviously, with Kawhi, maybe they win that series. But you're watching the Suns essentially have Booker playing out of his mind, and if he gets doubled, KD is there or Chris Paul is there, and like it's wide open layups for guys like Torrey Craig and Josh Kogi and DeAndre Ayton. Like if you have two great players and the other role players get hot enough, or you 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 do what you need to do, like at home, you really. I mean, look at the Lakers, man. The Lakers are cruising into the second round, maybe. And nobody had them, nobody had anything on the Lakers, like, until the the trade deadline. And now all of a sudden they've got, like, a rebooted LeBron who essentially coasts through three and a half quarters and then closes games out. It's, It's an amazing playoffs in that way. I don't know if it's been the most entertaining playoffs that I've seen because of all this, like, big players getting injured. It's been kind of a bummer. And you've got a couple of series that went like that four one like the Minnesota.
0: I'm not gonna lie to you. This last couple of nights have been like super entertaining. <laughs> like probably the most entertaining basketball I mean uh, we've seen. I mean when you look at the the Memphis Grizzlies Lakers game going to overtime, you got yeah. John J- ja Morant basically being New Jack from ECW jumping over <laughs> tables. And <laughs> uh, I mean you had the you had Jimmy Butler putting the fifty six. You had Anthony Edwards. I mean these last couple of nights have just. I mean even you know. Steph Curry pulling a a Chris Webber. I mean, I'd say since probably since Sunday, we've had amazing games.
3: Yeah, it hasn't been boring. I just wish. I think Mm -hmm. when I say it hasn't been entertaining, I think what I'm saying is maybe it hasn't been fair because it's like, oh, you know, we get to the postseason and Giannis and Kawhi go out like right at the moment that their teams need the most, and you know, it's it's not their fault. It's just it's just disappointing when you're like, okay, so it's the Middleton and Drew show against Jimmy Butler, and in some ways, I'm like. I I think maybe it makes me just a little bit frustrated about like the state of the regular season that teams like Miami and LA can kind of be what they were in the regular season and then go like slingshotting through the playoffs. But like fair fair play to them if that's what that's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it it definitely hurts. I mean, especially when you look at the case of Kawhi Leonard, he's been getting low managed for the last couple of years and he plays one game and gets hurt. And, you know, he tried to play through it the second game and, you know, it it sucks to hear guys like Stephen A. Smith criticize him because it's just, you know, he doesn't go out there and just want, he doesn't want to tear his, his, his meniscus. It just happens, you know. And, you know, you look at that series, it almost felt like if they had a healthy Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they probably beat the Suns because the Suns weren't deep. And, you know, they, they gave the Suns everything. It took the Suns, you know, hitting every shot Devin Booker, you know, spazzing out for... The Suns to win that series in five. So it's it's unfortunate.
2: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to
3: catch your kids games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away.
2: Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
1: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.
2: There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.
3: Let's talk about uh, the Sixers' injured star. So let's talk a little bit about Joel. Um, so as, as of recording, we're recording in like the afternoon, West Coast time, evening, East Coast time. The last thing we heard was a few hours ago from Doc saying that Joel has done some stationary bike work and that uh he'll have an evaluation in a couple of days which is essentially going to be the the crucial is he going to play game 1 or not evaluation actually in the in the sort of aftermath of his injury and that game 3 performance which we didn't do post game podcasts after game game 2 cuz i think we were kind of like we see where this series is going it's not the most like electric series We can kind of repeat ourselves here, but let's sort of see where it plays out. As we've always said, like the series season really starts in the second round for the Sixers. But it's worth noting that I think a narrative has developed over the last couple of days, but week, and that's basically like about Embiid's the way that Embiid plays and whether or not Embiid falling to the ground all the time. There's a viral montage circulating on Twitter and Reddit of Embiid hitting the deck like 11 times over the course of two games against the Nets and just showing the wear and tear he seemingly puts himself through by going to ground all the time and whether or not he's like looking to get fouls or this is a sports science thing where they're like, just go limp and like, it's like a jujitsu like tumbling thing where you like absorb the fall or something. Like, I don't know what the, the idea is here, but... It's been it's been definitely like a thing, How, don't you think that like there's a little bit of like a turning on Embiid's st- play, style of play?
0: I mean, I wouldn't say it's a turning on it because I feel like a lot of people felt this way. Well, it's under the people.
3: microscope now.
0: Yeah, it's under the. It's definitely under the microscope, especially I mean when you see the Twitter clips of him, you know, it's like he's falling around like an eight month year old baby. Like it's just, I mean, like I just don't. I struggle to understand it, and I think you know some of it is him flopping. Some of it is him, you know, legitimately falling. Like, so it's just, I, I kind of wish he just didn't flop as much. I mean, he's too big to be falling on the ground. Um, The, the ground is undefeated. So, yeah. I mean, I think that is the thing that people hate about Joel Embiid the most. Um, People just don't want to see a big guy of his size, you know, falling around and fl- fl- flailing around. People just don't want to see it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's frustrating, I think, on two levels. One, it's like, uh, I think he ended the regular season in such a strong fashion and kind of cemented the MVP to the extent that people who have votes were openly saying, like, Joel has got it. I'm going to go with Joel. I mean, it sounds like it's in the bag. Uh, And then I don't think Jokic has had, like, a spectacular series against the Timberwolves, but he was certainly awesome last night. And... Every night is just this carnival of amazing no-look passes and, you know, absorbing contact and going up to the, to the rim and another triple-double. And even though Embiid was, you know, I think pretty good in the first two games uh, of against the Nets, and it was game three where it's just like, what the hell is happening here, man? Like, what is going on? He seems so out of it. He seems so pissed, but not pissed in like a, I have a chip on my shoulder way, like, pissed to even be there it looked like he was hurt before he was hurt
0: interesting what makes you, know you what what I mean? say that
3: I don't know this is there was just something about the way he was carrying himself and it's like not it's not like I think sometimes I I, I overread into Embiid's body language I mean I, I was doing it the other night with Anthony Davis who I think has some groin thing but was like I was I was watching the Lakers game with Bill actually and he was like you can tell with Davis in the first five minutes like if he's gonna have it that night and if he's like Physically up to it for the game, and I think sometimes you can do that with mb Now, like, I, does he play himself into like a tizzy some nights for sure? But like, there was something about the end of that net series or his participation in it where I was like, this is not trending in the right direction with all the falling and and stuff. And then obviously, you know, we've all seen the clips of the knee injury, and 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 now we're kind of in this limbo where we we got him some extra rest, but it, I don't think it's trending. If I had to guess, I don't think he plays game one.
0: Yeah. I see, I, I just don't know what to make from it. Like, I mean, apparently, like an LCL sprain is like one of the most common knee injuries. Um, I've never heard too much about it, to be honest with you. Um, but I mean, I've heard people say that you just put a brace on it and then you just play through it. So, um, you know, I just I hate the way injury reporting is right now. I think yeah. that's a major issue in the NBA. You know, a lot of these teams are just hiding things from the public. They, you know, they're, like you heard it. You heard it today with Kawhi Leonard. You know, they don't announce that he tore his meniscus until after they're eliminated. So, I mean, the way they're reporting injuries now, I mean, Joel Embiid could play game one or he could miss the first four games. Yeah, I, I just don't know.
3: Yeah, the Kawhi thing was really weird because it's hard for me to imagine that they didn't get an MRI report back before that on Kawhi's knee. And so if that's the case, why not spare him the discourse of like people being like, Kawhi doesn't want it bad enough and just be like, he tore his knee. I mean, it's tragic, but he tore his knee so he can't play instead of this like, it's swelled up and he doesn't want to do it. And then you've got like whispers that he's just not, he doesn't love ball enough or whatever. And it's just like... Well that's obviously not the case so why hang that guy out to dry a little bit. Joel obviously like there's no real whispers about that but I do think that you know if, in the Sixers case it probably behooves them not to like tip their hand too much to Boston to be like you will or won't be seeing Embiid. He's 50%, he's 60%, who knows. Um in some ways though with those two games in Boston you figure like what the Sixers are hoping for is a split, right? So if he needs another 3 days, he can get it if they target game two for him to come back.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's probably the most likely thing that we'll see is, you know, maybe they, they he probably misses game one. And, you know, it's just it's unfortunate, but it's just. I, we really don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just wish there was like more accurate in, in, in injury reporting. I really do. I just think it's not fair to the fans at all. Um, it's also
3: weird how it gets disseminated now where it's like clearly whether it's like Woj and Shams breaking stuff there you just feel like agent fingerprints on some of the reporting about it or you know team fingerprints on some of the reporting about it and it's not just like straight up like here's what this injury is and here's where we're going with it um as far as like you know what the team looks like without the sick without embiid there's something about doc down 200 bucks <laughs> that i like <laughs> you know yeah. and there there is something about I'm curious. I don't think that this Sixers team has in any way a better chance of beating Boston without Embiid than with him. You know, like it, it's not that, but I do think that that throws a major curveball at Joe Mazzulla to be like, we're going to run out there with Harden, Melton, Maxi, Tucker, and maybe B-ball Paul or something, or Harris, or we can throw these small lineups at you and play Paul Reed, who's a pretty dynamic big man. And maybe yeah. confuse you with your, like, desire to play Rob and Al together and do all the things that you do. I mean, it's a different Sixers team without him.
0: It it, it truly is. Um, and it, it feels like a Sixers team that would, like, with Joel Embiid, it feels like we're going to be playing a slower pace game. It just feels like we're going to be pounded in, inside or, you know, letting, you know, Embiid get the, the ball on the elbow and, you know, taking his mid-range jumper or... But I feel like with this team, it's a it's a it's a it's a space and pace it's a pace and space game rather, um, and I think that can be exciting. Um, yeah, and I think you know, like you said, for whatever reason, Doc Rivers, when he doesn't have his his main guys, it, it's just they're like, I won't say they're a better team, but they tend to overachieve, and you know I I think there's something to that, especially against a Celtics team who. You know, Bill always criticizes the coaching of Joe Missoula, but you kind of don't know what you're gonna get from Missoula. It, it almost feels like he's learning on the job. He he played Blake Griffin like for the first time <laughs> with eight minutes to go in a closeout game at home. Yeah. And so it's just it it feels like, you know, maybe, maybe we we can we could find some little edges, you know, to to be able to eke one out.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's entirely possible that the Celtics go to Atlanta and just blow those guys up and win by 25 and it's over and and everybody's feeling great about the Celtics, but definitely after watching last night's game and then listening to Bill talk about it, and you can hear the anxiety because there's really like this, this tough crunch time situation with the Celtics where Smart gets the benefit of the doubt at the expense of either White or Brogdon. And you wind up not having maybe the best players on the floor at the most important time of the game, even though Smart obviously has his qualities. And there have been times where I've been like, I would love to have Marcus Smart on the Sixers. It's like they obviously need certain things playmaking wise and maybe even matchup wise that they get from White and Brogdon. We're probably getting ahead of ourselves. Like, honestly, nothing would be funnier than Atlanta winning at home and making this go seven. It's just... And it would also be, like, on a, kind of weirdly terrifying to have to face Atlanta in the second round.
0: I'm getting shades of 2008, like Zaza Pachulia. Um, it's game seven, baby. Like, um, I'm getting shades of that. I, I I don't know why I got a feeling that this thing is going to go seven. Um, But, yeah, Atlanta would be, and I was saying this on Twitter, and, you know, a bunch of Sixers fans criticized me, but I think Atlanta would be, like, they would give us hell. And the biggest reason why is because I think, you know like the Sixers particularly with Joel Embiid out there they play that drop coverage and you know that's a that's a, a coverage in which Trey Young thrives in and if you got Joel Embiid coming off an LCL injury he probably won't be able to move as much you yeah. got Trey Young at the top of the key just getting wide open looks after wide open looks and then if you step up that lob threat is there so i'm i'm just as terrified of Atlanta as I am Boston at this point, I think obviously, I think we would, we would probably, we're definitely favorites against, against Atlanta, but I don't, I don't think either is an easy, easy series at all.
3: As a Sixers fan, I just have learned not to get too excited. I I would (laughs) honestly, even if we played Atlanta and beat them, I would still be nervous about heat or Knicks in the Eastern conference finals. Like I, I, I'm not getting, I'm not getting ahead of myself. Like I, I think that we have to beat who's in front of us first, couple other things I wanted to hit with you. One is uh, I'm not even like pulling from a specific source. I think at this point now it's become pretty well-known gossip about uh, James Harden possibly going back to the Rockets. Uh, Woj has reported that a couple of times, once on Christmas Day, once a little bit more recently. Very carefully just kind of being like, this is in the air or the door is open or it's a possibility, yada, yada, yada. I bring this up only because the Rockets filled their vacant head coaching slot with Ime Odoka, um, which uh, look, well, all I'll say about that is that it certainly legitimizes the Rockets a little bit in terms of what they could be next season. Um, what did you make of the hiring? And do you think it gives any, it just give you any pause when it comes to the hardened to Houston stuff?
0: I mean, I think the biggest winner are Houston strip clubs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean, you could see a Kobe and Shaq like performance from eBay and James Harden. But, um, <laughs> Come
3: on, man, he's a he's a reformed <laughs> individual.
0: <laughs> but I mean, all jokes aside, I mean, I do think it, it's very concerning. Um, you know, I, I I just think we've been hearing rumors of James Harden back to Houston the entire year, and yeah. at some point, when there's smoke, there's fire. So I like I think this is a make or, a break year for the Sixers. I think this is you know like. Depending on if we, if we win a championship or not or go to the finals, that's going to say a lot about the, the future of this team. Um, and, you know, the one thing you have to consider is that, you know, maybe Maury doesn't want to pay James Harden. You know, maybe, you know, he we get through this 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 these playoffs part. I mean, right now, Harden is struggling and obviously he's injured. I know that's his guy, but he's shooting 34 percent from the field. Twenty three or sixty seven. He's 42% on three-pointers, which is great. But inside the arc, he's just, you know, with less than five feet. He's five for 20. Yeah. Five to nine feet. 0 for 6. 10 to 14 feet. 2 for 6. Like, his game right now is highly dependent on whether he's hitting his three-point shot. And the playmaking is still there. But, you know, if we're matching up against the Celtics, he's going to have to go against these wings. Yes. Um, You know, and... You know, this is I the think,
3: big, big question mark hanging over the Celtics series is the, what the Celtics can do to Maxi and Harden.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I think Maxie kind of... Like I, like, I was talking to um Shill about this. I looked at the Brooklyn Nets series as almost like the pop quiz before the final. Mm-hmm. Because they're built similarly in the fact that, you know, the Nets have... They have a wing factory. They have Dorian Finney-Smith. They have Macal Bridges. Those guys aren't necessarily Tatum and Smart and in And brown, but I think that series could do a good job preparing our offensive players for you know celtics so it, it's just it's it's a it's a tough situation, so it's like how Hart and performs in this series is going to say a lot about what's what's going to happen going forward
3: yeah it's a, it's been a strange situation because I think that we've been in the this has happened a couple of times over the last few years when you think about it. When you when you look at the Jimmy situation, when you look at Ben, and then when you look now at Harden, where I think there's a lot of division in the camp if you ask Sixers fans, like, do you want to keep this person or you want to let them go? Jimmy, I think almost all Sixers fans were like, I'd love to keep Jimmy. And mm-hmm. I still think that there's a lot to that Butler story that we don't understand as to the extent to which Jimmy was like actually always wanted to go to Miami and that was the Sixers were a pit stop for him versus whether or not he was like, you can have me, but you have to like get rid of Ben or get rid of Brett or like whatever was going on back then. And I don't know whether or not, honestly, like I was, I was chatting with a, with a Tate Frazier today about this, uh, whether or not like Jimmy and Joel might not have been like, BFFs forever. I mean, it's not like Jimmy Butler has like a ton of like running buddies that he's had for years and years and years. The Kyle Lowry thing is working out. Did you accept that Kyle Lowry is essentially a role player on that Miami team right now, you know? Yeah. So there's all these what-ifs. But here you go. We're here with Harden again. He's probably the best talent-wise we've ever had in terms of running somebody with Joel. And at the same time, exactly like you're saying, there's a part of me that's like you know what, maybe it's best not to pay him throughout the second half of his 30s. You know, this you know? is,
0: like, when I think about it, this this is a very similar situation because, you know, with Jimmy Butler, people were saying that Jimmy Butler might not be worth the five-year max. Like, Jimmy Butler, people forget, Jimmy Butler tore his meniscus with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and he actually had it, I think he had it repaired um, or reattached as opposed to just, you know, going through the surgery route. And he came back within, you know, three, That's four right. weeks. And typically when you have that, I think when you, when you have it repaired, it's worse for your career as we saw with Dwayne Wade. Yeah. So I think people expected Jimmy Butler to decline. So on one hand, I understood why you just say, you know what, we're not paying Jimmy Butler the five year max. But I think most Sixers fans understood what Jimmy Butler was for us. And I think the fact that they paid Tobias Harris, who, I mean, he's been terrific. He's been, you know. Especially in this net series, and especially in Game Four, he did everything that you could ask for. But the fact that they paid Tobias Harris to max and didn't pay Jimmy Butler, it just felt like, all right, we're making a mistake. Yeah, and I think people could see that at the time with James Harden. It's it's just, I mean, he's in a similar situation. Um, if you don't pay him, you lose the asset. Um, you could pay him, and he could just never be the same guy again. So, um, it's a gamble either way.
3: Yeah, maybe it's like. It, knowing what we know about the way Daryl Morey has built teams in the past is like he always says, like, I need two stars, you know, it's like, and he's worked so hard to get James Harden over the years. Do we really think he would just have him in here for a season and a half? Probably not. Right? Like, it seems like he wants to get James Harden in the building as healthy as he possibly can be developing more chemistry with Joel and Embiid. One of the things that I'm kind of struck by watching some of these teams that are doing well in the playoffs. Yeah, obviously, like you've got Phoenix where Kevin Durant's just moved there. But I don't know, there's something about watching like some of these teams like Boston or even Milwaukee, even though they're down, like where you're like, I would love to have Joel Embiid get like four years under his belt with his with his main partner. You know what I mean? He's never really had that.
0: Yeah, I, I like I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, outside of, you know, Simmons and, you know, even, you know, with, with Simmons, there were always just some injury concerns. Yeah, they um,
3: probably only played like what, three, four, like three and a half seasons together when you actually add it all up to, you know, with the injuries and stuff.
0: When you look at the bubble playoffs, Ben Simmons was hurt. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's just just a bad situation.
3: Yeah. So the last bit I had for you today, Reem, was the news, not news, but it just doesn't look like there's going to be a Paul Reed extension done, uh, obviously. And so he's going to be a restricted free agent. Um, and Paul Reed has kind of moved from hardcore Philly Sixers, like Sixers obsessives are obsessed with Paul Reed. Then he goes into kind of almost like cult hero status. Now I think after this net series he has moved into legit like this is a dude, you know, maybe not like an all-star but like an attractive player to other NBA teams and not just a point of obsession for Sixers fans. Uh I will say this, it'd just be very frustrating to see Paul Reed be excellent on like the Pacers
0: next year. That would be very frustrating, but fortunately, I mean he is a restrictive free agent. So, we do controllers his rights. So, I mean, obviously, a lot's going to... I mean, so much depends on Harden because yeah. it's just... I mean, if we have to pay Harden to Max, we might not, you know... We might not be able to afford Parry, especially with the you know C, new CBA kicking in, which is kind of like punishing teams for, you know, finding good talent. Um, I, I really don't like the new CBA. Um, <laughs> but it's just, I mean, yeah, it's just... I mean Paul Reed we we've, we've been saying it all year. We wanted we wanted them to throw Montres Harold in the bushes because we knew what we had with Paul Reed. Yes. And you know it was coming to fruition. So I'm just glad that Doc I mean is actually playing this guy because at the start of the year, I mean we complained all the time that he wasn't. So um this is just, you know, the cost of success. Um you know, as they said in, you know, American Gangster, success has <laughs> taken a shot at us. <laughs>
3: i can't think of a better way to end the podcast than with american gangster reference uh
0: <laughs> do we miss anything any other sixers stuff you want to get off your chest i mean we spoke about atlanta hawks we spoke about the celtics i mean i think we'll like we'll dive into like a full breakdown um yeah based on which one of these teams um you know makes it through um obviously we'll have more news about joel mb going forward um
3: we'll have Joel news probably over the weekend. You can expect to hear from me and Raheem probably. I would imagine after game 1 of whatever team comes out of Atlanta Boston, we'll be doing a podcast after game 1 on Monday night for the Eastern Conference semifinals. Before then, there's like just two absolutely bonkers sports days because you've got like a quadruple header today, the NFL draft tomorrow, and also a triple header, I think. So, it's going to be pretty busy uh sports-wise. So everybody's going to get their fill, and the Sixers just get to get to get well. Thanks to Cliff Augustine for producing us. Raheem, thanks so much for joining me, man.
0: Oh, no doubt. I'm just, I'm excited. Second round of the playoffs. Um, I, I got to try to make it to one of these games. I, don't, I haven't been to a playoff game this year yet. So um, I
3: saw Harala Bob at the Lakers game. He was sitting courtside, man. You got, you got, you got to do that. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to get on Harala Bob's level. I, I mean, I was there. When I was, I was close. But I, I've, I've I've taken some hits this NBA season. At some point, I'm going to be back in, on the courtside seats thing.
3: <laughs> OK, good. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye <laughs> out for Raheem courtside at Wells Fargo until until Monday. Everybody have a good weekend.